Welcome to another episode of RPG Hour. I am Mr. RPG Hour, they, them. Uh, and today we are doing an interview uh, with Matthew Hansen of Sneak Attack Press. Did I get that right or is it productions or? Uh, no, that's correct. Sneak Attack okay. Press. Yep. All right, so, and you have uh, worked freelance in the industry for a little while. Uh, it says that you've worked with Dungeon and Dragon magazines, Cobalt Press, and Green Ronin. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, a few others too. And re recently, a little bit with Atlas Games. Oh, Atlas Games. Uh, that is actually, I, I love some of the stuff that they do. So, uh, that's yeah. definitely. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember, uh, yeah. they, just, they just got through doing something too, uh, Dice Miner or something like that. Yeah, I think Dice Miner is going on right now. Um, and the project that I'm, I worked with them was called Magical Kitties Save the Day that kick-started last summer and should be hopefully coming out uh, summer I in PDF. I did not get in on that Kickstarter and I'm so upset that I didn't. Uh, but like I, I have a very great need for that um, just because of how everybody is over here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I think it should be coming out this summer in PDF and uh, fall, winter for print. Oh, yeah, there's still time. Of the current project that you're kickstarting, Terrain Toolbox, a lot of it has a very old school feel to it. And I don't know uh, if that's 100% intended or if it's just that you like that style of art and uh, just kind of like the... The, that general feel. I know that some people are 100% OSR fans and some people just like the art. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I haven't done a lot of the OSR stuff. I started back with old school stuff, uh, Redbox and then second edition. Uh, so I think I've sort of got some of that built into my DNA and uh, that's probably given me some of that in art influence on it. Um, I wasn't thinking of it particularly as being an old school in terms of the content, uh, but you could certainly apply it for that. It's, it's originally, I wrote it fourth edition, uh, Pathfinder first edition, uh, and then with the new editions, we've been updating it to fifth edition and uh fifth edition D D, and we recently hit a stretch goal so that it'll be pathfinder second edition too now so uh. i saw that i was honestly uh I, I pulled it up and i was like yeah i wonder how they're doing and i saw that uh y'all were at 3069 as of the time of recording uh and i was like okay they more than hit their goal yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's 300%, which is super awesome. Uh, we're excited about that. And then, yeah, just now doing some stretch goals. We uh, have another uh, another book we're going to unlock that's, again, an update that we did for fourth and original Pathfinder called Ad, um, Alternate Objectives uh, that we're going to unlock with about another $500 to update that. Uh, so we're excited about that too. So for people that have the original fourth edition or first edition uh, Pathfinder versions, is there gonna be any major departures for alternate objectives uh, or is it just gonna be an update to 5e and hopefully eventually an update to 2e Pathfinder? Yeah, there, uh, 
basically going to be an update. Um, there are, you know, rule changes, like all, all of the rule changes, you know, adding an advantage and disadvantage and changing DCs and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so like the basic content is going to be the same idea, uh, but we wanted to, to update it to the new additions. So with uh, the basic from uh, everything that I've seen and read that you guys are doing uh, with the terrain toolbox, it, while it's very much into D&D, &D, one of your other pieces also said uh, that it is compatible with things like Savage Worlds uh, and something called Abstract Dungeon. I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with Abstract Dungeon, so I wasn't sure. But um, I will say, I know for a fact that the... Uh, the, there is a, a, a definite departure from D&D &D 5e and Pathfinder 2e to Savage Worlds. With everything kind of built in for D&D, &D, uh, how much of it really is a, a game master's time spending to convert it over to something like Savage Worlds? Yeah, so um, I, think, I think you might have uh, been reading the about Sneak Attack Press with that. Because um, we published stuff for Savage Worlds separately. Uh, Terrain Toolbox is not specifically written for Savage Worlds, uh, but there is like a, the first chapter or so is just a sort of philosophical talk about, you know, what is terrain? Why do we use it in our game? What are like, how can you use it to change how your encounter goes? And stuff like that and that's that part there is applicable for pretty much any game where you have you know uh, combat encounters um, and then as it goes into it it gets to other chapters where there's more nitty-gritty there's like building your own terrain that talks about setting DCs and damage and stuff and that's less applicable and then there's uh, the bulk of it is the sample terrains which um, again are written with either uh, D&D 5e or Pathfinder 2nd edition for the Kickstarter in mind, uh, but uh, could be stuff that you would adapt more easily. So it gives you the example of like, oh, there's clouds that you can walk on, uh, but you have to keep moving or you start to sink through the clouds. Um, and then we give you some mechanics for that. But the idea of it, of these clouds where you have to keep moving or you have to sink, you could steal that idea easily and adapt it to, uh, to any other game out there. Okay. What would you say is, is the biggest non-tabletop influence when Terrain Toolbox uh, was in your mind? What would you say is the one thing that you, you may have noticed that was kind of a definitely big influence? Yeah, I think a lot of uh, movies out there, uh, television books also have uh, like fight scenes or whatever where they really make use of the terrain. And like one that I think of a lot is the Princess Bride uh, that fight in the fire swamp with the, the rodent of unusual size. Um, and how, you know, he's wrestling it on the ground and he finally 
wrestles it over to where that fire juts out and that's how he defeats it. And you may even notice going through that we do have a certain terrain in there that's quite similar to that. Um, but those sorts of things where you see the heroes of the story making use of the terrain around them uh, is, is really what influenced us to build this sort of thing. What would you say sparked your interest in building something that focuses less on the characters, but for the characters to interact with? Yeah, um, I think it's just like wanting to add some sort of uh, another le level of depth to things, another layer of complexity. Um, like it's, it's so easy to have just, you know, I stand there and hit him with my sword and other guy stands there and hits me with his sword and just go back and forth till you run out of hit points. Um, and I think that, you know, can be, that has its place, uh, but I also, I like to mix it up a little bit. Um, and so I like to give the, the PCs more uh, to do, give them more choices, give them more threats that can't necessarily be defeated by just hitting them, that they have to sort of think their way around. Um, and that's part of where Terrain Toolbox came from. Uh, and then similarly, alternate objectives, the whole idea is, you know, you've got these uh, combat encounters, but you can't just win by getting rid of the other team's hit points. You've got to do other stuff in them, like you've got to, you know, protect an NPC, or you've got to, like, snatch an object, a treasure, or whatever, and get away with it. Um, things like that, where, um, you know, A, we see that in the fiction, and then also B, like, I think it is fun to mix it up, to try something new, uh, and to give the players and their characters a new sort of challenge. I'll be honest, I wish something like this had existed back when I played a lot of um, Wizard, older Wizards of the Coast stuff. I did a lot of the uh, D20 Modern and uh, D20 Star Wars. Uh, and I'll be honest, there, there's just so much that we spent hours and hours as a group coming up with uh, different things that we could do. And I wish we had had a toolbox that could have helped us direct our energies more because uh, it, it, there are a lot of games out there that could definitely benefit from this style of just uh, gearing things towards it. Do y'all have anything, either thoughts, ideas, or actual plans to also make a terrain toolbox for other game systems, other fantasy systems, or uh, even breaking it out into non-fantasy? Yeah, um, we don't have concrete plans for other stuff yet. Um, if we were going to do something else, it would probably be the Savage Worlds that you mentioned, uh, because uh, that's, that's the other main system that we support. Uh, one of the things that I have found as a publisher is like not to overextend myself too much. I kind of... Um, kind of have sometimes new shiny system, and I'm like this as an RPG player. I'm like, 
let's try this system. Let's try this system. Oh, fate, let's do that. Gumshoe, that looks cool. Um, and I like, I love to play that way, but I have found in some of my publishing experience that it helps to uh, pick a few things and focus on those and sort of build up an audience, build up a brand, build up those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, so it would probably be if we did go to something else, it would be Savage Worlds. Don't currently have plans for it. Um, but who knows, maybe, maybe if we blast through our stretch goals, we'll add that. I'm not guaranteeing anything right now though. <laughs> I know that if it does go to Savage Worlds, uh, I, I, I know Jonathan Andrews will want the Savage Worlds version. Um, as definitely, he does enjoy running that sometimes. Uh, I know that I'm looking forward to picking up. Um, I, I pledged uh, to get the 5E, 4E, and Pathfinder 1E. Pathfinder is not really my thing, um, uh, but I do occasionally still do some 5E and 4E stuff, but... Uh, also, I, I, I find that it's sometimes uh, not too hard to grab 5E stuff and convert it back for some older OSR stuff. Uh, I don't know why. It just seems like there's a little bit more compatibility there. Um, and I've got some offline OSR stuff that I do on occasion that I know that if I just sit down with the artwork, uh, they're going to be loving it uh, because you've got some really great looking pieces that have that old school feeling there. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so I, I don't know a whole lot about Abstract Dungeon. I do know that that's y'all's in-house system. Do y'all already have something like built into the game that's similar to this? Uh, there are some things similar to it. Um, it is a, a very different style game. It is much more a story uh, game type thing. Um, where like there's not tactical positioning or anything like that so that um makes it less less instantly compatible or even less adaptable than like a savage worlds where when i've always played i've used the battle map um and um yeah abstract dungeon is much more a theater of the mind um sort of thing and so like there are hacks that I've used to to represent terrain and stuff that uh, is going on with it. Um, and it also is just much more lighter in terms of the rules. So uh, it's a it's a harder harder transfer to make between those two for um, for things like the 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 way that we present the terrain in the terrain toolbox because it's more uh it's more stat blocky you know it's a lot of it reads sort of like a cross between a monster and a spell description i'd say um we have some samples up in the updates if you want to check them out um but yeah anyway that's that's a long way of saying <laughs> we're probably not going to do it for abstract dungeon um just because it's not, I don't think it's really a great fit for the style of that sort of game. Yeah, we've kind of moved everything over to Theater of the Mind right now uh, with uh, one driving right now is just, uh, it's 
a little hectic, uh, at least in our area. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it's one of those things where also more than half of our podcast crew is essential workers. So we're all pretty much not really wanting to chance anybody getting sick. So, um, but uh, I definitely understand, you know, you got to look at those. Uh, the only times that we have done anything in regards to uh, Savage Worlds, it's always been physical maps and everything. Uh, so I definitely get what you're saying in regards to that. Um, yeah. 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 We've moved online for all my groups too, but we've been using the, the roll 20 virtual tabletop. Um, and that's been, it's not the same, uh, but it is definitely better than, you know, uh, better than not meeting or getting people sick, which none of us want to do. So, um, yeah, but that, that, I like the virtual tabletop experience because uh, it still lets you do some of that positioning and stuff. So since you brought it up, I wasn't going to go into the sample. I did read the, the lightning pillars before um, and I didn't want to basically reveal anything if it wasn't okay to reveal it. Uh, but uh, I actually really dig this. Um, so I'm going to explain it real quick just for the listeners. So Lightning Pillars is a sample level 12, uh, wide pillars made of polished copper and hum with power. If I gave that description to the people that I normally play with, any of the people I normally play with, they would immediately walk back out of the room. <laughs> because of the way that I've done things in the past, they would just immediately walk out of the room. Uh, but what I like is, uh, instead of being a singular description as some things are, it immediately goes on to say, uh, you might find them in a storm god's temple, mad scientist lab, or crashed alien ship. Um, I think that that's some of the things that I find that are toolboxy don't always really go into the different ways that you can use some of the things. They kind of pigeonhole some of the things, and it's kind of uh, has always given me, I wouldn't say a bad taste, but I feel like I've got to do extra work. Uh, I do like that there's a little bit more openness that you're showing with your examples. Uh, DC 20 Intelligence Arcana. Uh, every time that I've played uh, D&D recently, um, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't know that even the spellcasters uh, would succeed at that. Uh, and I think that that would honestly be hilarious just because of how bad uh, our spellcasters usually roll on their yeah. intelligence checks. I have, uh, to, I have to side note that in one of my home games, we got a sorcerer and a warlock, and neither of them chose to be trained in arcana so. <laughs> there's a lot of arcana checks for two charisma arcane casters that do not get matched uh side note over go ahead and keep going <laughs> yeah no we, we we've had that we also have a rule where uh mrs rpgr is not allowed to play healers mm -hmm. uh she never puts a whole lot of ranks in and somehow or another um we do when we do failures we do story bits on them it's it's not just a, it didn't work something bad happens or something comical happens and so uh hers always turn into where uh now the aliens have infected the person or uh there's now a plant growing out of the person's wound because she was a druid and uh didn't do so well on her you know uh first aid check and things like that and um so I definitely get that. I definitely, definitely, we've got some, 
same things going on. Uh, so the, the pillars, uh, says there should be at least three pillars and as many as eight, assign each pillar a number. Each pillar uh, occupies a five foot by five foot square. Uh, and then the effect is, uh, well, I'll leave something for people to go look up, but I, I, I like the, the way that it builds it up. Uh, there is definitely a little bit of, you know, the way that it describes everything down. Um, I, I like also this, where it talks about reskinning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that uh, Jonathan, and I have, Jonathan and I have talked about on multiple shows before. We have gone into depth on reskinning, um, you know, character races, classes, uh, changing it to fit things. Uh, we talk about doing that with a lot of things. We never talk about it with encounters, uh, with um, terrain or anything like that. We, we never really go into that. And that kind of puts something in the back of my head of, you know, this toolbox is overall bringing out things that I never thought of. I've never, you know, put forth in my head or anything. And now I'm going back and thinking, you know, reskinning would work, would have worked great for certain situations. Um, and I like that it, it uh, goes into changing your damage type, uh, change the pillars just to another object. Um, uh, and then this is honestly my favorite thing. The ruined temple to a God of death might contain statues that arc bolts of necrotic energy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another, like that reskinning thing you mentioned is another thing that like, you know, we've, we, uh, in, in my plane, I've reskinned stuff, um, all the time and something that sometimes like first time GMs and stuff, um, are, I see some reluctance to do that or just not reluctance, but it like, it doesn't always occur to them that like, you know, you can just take this thing and use it almost as is and uh, just have it a, a slightly different twist and it'll have a different feel to it. Um, and you don't always need to like make a whole new whatever out of whole cloth. You can take what exists there and give it a little tweak. Um, and then also did that because I want this book to be as useful to people as possible. Uh, so I think, you know, it's a lot of times you can just see something right in there that matches what you want and grab it and put it in your encounter. But also, if you don't see quite what you want, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's probably pretty close. And so you can use that instead, um, tweak it and make it fit your encounter that way. So, yeah, I want to give, give people a lot of options out there. That's usually what we talk about when we talk about reskinning is how it can change the effects. And especially if you're a newer game master and you're sitting down to a table of people who do have more experience, you know, you don't just place down a, a goblin, change it up, you know, make it nature based. All of a sudden it's partly, you know, it's got moss growing on it, mushrooms. And when you just do a description of something that they may already know, but you add those little, little extras, uh, you can definitely change the game and that's kind of uh what definitely drew me to uh terrain toolbox uh when you sent uh the first message i was kind of reading about it looking it up and i'm like i i'm kind of really down for this this seems like a lot of fun i i i'm definitely also impressed with uh the stretch goals 
a lot of stretch goals are uh, on a lot of stuff. It, it adds some interesting things, uh, but sometimes they feel, I don't want to say out of place, but sort of out of place. Uh, I think that it's interesting uh, that you're adding on different systems, adding, uh, I don't know what the vial vapors mini supplement is, but I see that that's already been raised for both 5E and 2E. Um, yeah, Vial Vapors uh, is another little mini supplement uh, that you can pull out of to drop in the urine encounters. And this one is specifically focused on different like toxic gases, uh, things that you, clouds of stuff that you don't want to be in. Um, and so similar idea, but sort of more focused and shorter um, and uh, developed by a friend of mine uh, called, named Bill Fisher, who also uh, wrote The Rune Wild, which is another uh, popular book that we released on PDF recently and hope to get out in print soon. Uh, things, the COVID has slowed down the print release of that. So hopefully soon it will be out there. Okay. So there's already some cool reviews of the previous edition of Terrain Toolbox. Um, it looks like you've chosen uh, drive through RPG as your fulfillment service. Uh, so those out there that are looking to get it fulfilled through or that like fulfillment through drive through RPG, there is that availability. Um, there are at the current of this uh, recording, 11 days to go. Um, I'm going to attempt to get this edited and out tonight. <laughs> um, uh, so is there anything that you want people to know about the Terrain Toolbox that we haven't already talked about? Um, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, it's the, just the general pitch is that it's a book that uh, has terrain in it and gives you ways to make your own terrain, gives you some philosophy about what you can do with terrain, uh, sort of like a monster manual, but for terrain. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I want it to be something that people can use as a just, you pull out terrain, you drop it in, but it also has that element of trying to spark your creativity, trying to make you think about uh, think about your encounters and what they can do and what they can be. Um, because I, I think, you know, the encounter is sort of the fundamental unit of the D&D &D Pathfinder, uh, et cetera, group of RPGs. And um, I think like there's a lot of fun stuff that you can do with it. So I'm hoping that people take a look and they can find stuff they can use. All right. Y'all can find it over at uh, kickstarter.com. Uh, in the description, I'm going to put the link uh, to it. It is Terrain, Toolback, Terrain Toolbox for 5E and Pathfinder 2E. Uh, once again, uh, this is done by Matthew Hansen uh, from Sneak Attack Press. You can find them at sneakattackpress.com. Uh, and you had a charity you wanted to talk about right quick? Yeah, um, I am in Minneapolis, in South uh, Minneapolis. 
where if you have been following the news, there's a lot going on out there. Uh, there were many local businesses nearby where I live that have uh, been damaged or destroyed. Um, some are really close to my heart. There's an independent science fiction bookstore called Uncle Hugo's that has really done a lot for the science fiction community in Minneapolis um, that got completely destroyed. And uh, there is a nonprofit called the Lake Street Council that is helping a lot of these small businesses um, recover and rebuild. And so if you guys are able to help, the website for that is welovelakestreet.com. Um, and it's, again, it's a, you know, nonprofit, tax deductible, all that great stuff, and will help rebuild a really important community that's near and dear to me. All right, and I'll put that link down below as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is RPG Hour talking about uh, an amazing Kickstarter. Go out and take a look. Uh, if you do go over to the website, um, welovelakestreet.com, uh, everything is there. Uh, they have already, at the time of this, uh, raised over a million dollars to help rebuild businesses. And it looks like also uh, they are doing a gift back to George Floyd's family as well. All right, anything else you wanna add right quick? Uh, no, I think that about covers it. Thank you. Thank you so much.